0: My name is Madison Jafty and I want to welcome all of our listeners to the third episode of Penn's newest podcast series called Positively Penn. In each episode, I host interviews or talk about uplifting things on Penn's campus to give you all a break from the stress that Penn can bring. Make sure to like and subscribe so you hear about new episodes and our latest guests. Today I will be talking to Laura Taylor, the co-creator for the Penn Program for Flourishing, the lead TA for the new Pursuit of Happiness undergraduate course, and the managing coordinator of positive education programs at Penn's Positive Psychology Center, amongst several other things. She also earned her Master of Applied Positive Psychology with the School of Arts and Sciences and is now an assistant instructor in the program. This will be the first of two episodes where I talk to the directors of the Penn Program for Flourishing, so stay tuned. Hi Laura, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me Madison, I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) Of course. Um, So to start us off, will you explain what the Penn Program for Flourishing is to our listeners? Certainly.
1: So the Penn Program for Flourishing is a non-curricular community that's designed to collect students from any year, any class, any major, and talk about positive psychology and how they can thrive in their lives at Penn. It was intentionally designed so that students can come and have just a community of students where they can connect and build relationships and develop their well-being. It's 90 minutes a week. Um, So it lasts for eight weeks each semester, and we're delighted to open it up to see
0: who can join. Yeah, and just in case uh, our listeners don't know, could you just give a brief summary of, of what positive psychology is? Absolutely. So positive psychology
1: was officially galvanized here through Dr. Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania. Did you know you were standing at the university, (laughs) right? That is sort of the founding father of positive psychology? Mm -hmm. So in 1998, um, he addressed the APA, or the American Psychological Association, and said a charge. He said, traditional psychology has focused too much on our weaknesses and we're really interested in balancing the narrative, right? So it's not that that has been detrimental to us. We've learned a lot but it's not enough to look at how human beings thrive. So what are the questions we can ask about optimal levels of human beings thriving and in individual traits, states, and communities?
0: Great, thank you. Yeah. So what inspired you and your team to create the Penn Program for Flourishing? So I think it's really fascinating. Fasil and
1: I, um, Fasil Khan, who is also the founder of the PEN Program for Flourishing, you'll hear from him later on, he's <laughs> fantastic, um, but he, and I had a similar dream, I think. Um, We came to Penn, uh, we know the student life at Penn, we see that there is this incredible resource on Penn's campus, the Positive Psychology Center, founding director of positive psychology. We have master's degrees in this, there's all this research happening, and we are learning a lot about how people thrive, and yet the application to the undergraduate population was missing. We didn't see it happening in a community way that was helping students really learn those skills and tools to develop their well-being, and we wanted to be a part of the solution. So um, we really look at it as a calling to sort of cultivate um, and seed the practice of positive psychology on campus so that students can thrive.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I know throughout the program, it's only eight weeks, but obviously um, the students learn a lot. I actually completed the program myself. And so could you give our listeners a preview about some skills that you teach students during the program, but also just from listening, maybe they could... Um, gain inspiration for their own lives? Certainly. So we designed the program very intentionally not to have homework, right? It's not a (laughs) curricular
1: course. So what we're trying to do is engage you with different skills and techniques that you can take home and apply immediately. We use Dr. Seligman's model of well-being, PERMA, which is positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, meaning and accomplishment. We look through the lens of strengths and we invite you to try things out in your world and see what works, but most importantly to see what you think about these parts of your life so that you can have an ongoing conversation with just the tools. One thing that we focus on is the fact that the brain is actually evolutionarily designed to have a negativity bias, right? So we spend a lot of time thinking on the problems that scream at us and not as much time looking and listening at, to the opportunities that may whisper, right? And so we try to help students think about how they can tune into what's good in their world. And one easy way of doing that is by writing down three good things. It's actually been studied and it's scientifically validated that you can help your own levels of optimism and decrease levels of depression if you focus on intentionally thinking about what's going well in your day. So at the end of the day, as you're wrapping it up, rather than sitting at that to-do list and looking at maybe what's coming down the pipe, spend five minutes and write down three good things that happened to your day. But don't just write down what they are, write down why they happened. So this is a critical piece, and a lot of people miss that. So I had a wonderful conversation with my mother today because I reached out to her and I value that relationship. That extra step really helps to start log why you're focusing on these good things and what the outcomes are, and that's what's gonna make the difference in your well-being moving forward. Mm -hmm. So continuing to focus and think about that why, takes less than five minutes, and it makes a huge difference. It turns out Irving Berlin, who wrote a song about it, Count Your Blessings, was right. Because if you do it at the end of the day and count your blessings instead of sheep, you will wake up in a better mood. <laughs>
0: it's true. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what is your go-to happiness strategy? Um, is it this or is it something different? So I do use
1: this. It is helpful to me. But my go-to strategy has always been to move my body. Um, my mom likes to say that I came out dancing, I danced for most of my life, but ultimately I'm a physical human being. Um, and I do much better with my day if I'm moving. So if I encounter a, um, a moment of stress, I think, when was the last time I moved? Do I need to stand up even if it means leaving my desk for 30 seconds just to walk around the corridor? Or does it mean I need to take a larger break, walk around the block, get outside, or do some vigorous exercise, or yoga? And I try to think about what I need in the moment. Do I need to be more energized? Okay, I'm probably gonna work out. Do I need to be less anxiety? Okay, I probably might think about yoga or meditation. Something physical for my body that helps modulate that emotional state
0: has always been
1: my most effective go-to.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, it's hard to get in the habit of working out and meditating and everything. Do you have any advice for um, students to get into those habits in order to start meditating and exercising more often? Start small, yeah. (laughs) period, right? It is hard, right? And we're all
1: human. Um, I've had a meditation practice for four years and there are still days that I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Or there are still days where I sit down to meditate and it's hard. Um, Because ultimately, you're building a muscle. The same way you're building muscle in a gym for working out, you're building the muscle of attention when you meditate. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily something that's really that easy. We might make the assumption that just sitting down quietly for 10 minutes is gonna happen like that, right? (laughs) Super easy. But we have to build up to it, so start small. Start with the minute. Start with 10 breaths. Um, move to 20. 10 minutes, I would say, is a great starting point for people who don't have a practice. There's a ton of resources online, so you can always look to YouTube or something else. Um, there's GIFs that help you modulate your breathing. You can breathe alongside of them. There's really lovely crashing waves that you can listen to while you do it, which is my personal favorite because I happen to love the ocean and I think it's a magical sound. Mm -hmm. It's a little cheesy, but I do love it. (laughs) And there are other things that might work for you. So I would say lean in, try something. If the one you try isn't a fit for you, that's okay. There's a lot of ways to do it. So try something different. Maybe you want to try a walking meditation. Maybe you want to um, tune into your breath. Maybe... Maybe there's, uh, there's something called open monitoring meditation where you just follow your thoughts and notice your thoughts. The point is intentionally setting a habit to take time to tune in. That's the point of meditation. And for your body, hey, it's the thing you walk around in, right? Like It's serving you all day every way. You might as well feed it and fuel it in a way that's beneficial for you because it's your vessel and you only get one. So you, Take care of it, right? And if it's something you don't love, like, I hate cardio. I'll be the first (laughs) to admit, like, give me a yoga class any day. And I know that's a valuable thing for me. So what I try to do is I try to either go with friends, find a class, utilize music I really like, try to make it fun. Last week, I tried an aerial circus arts class for the first time because I was like, well, I need some upper body strength, and I don't really want to do push-ups, so why don't I try climbing a silk? I don't know. Okay. It was really hard, and oh, yeah. I may or may not repeat that, but it was fun because there was something novel about it, mm-hmm. and I got to try something new with a group of people. That works for me. But whatever it is that works for you,
0: lean into that because there's no reason it should be torturous. Mm-hmm. Yeah I completely agree. (laughs) Um, I actually just have one more question. Um, After hearing about this program I'm sure a lot of students are going to be excited about joining so could you just uh, explain how they can get involved? Absolutely. So we are on Facebook at the
1: Penn Program for Flourishing. That's the best point of contact for us. Um, You can also email us um, with our gmail address that you can find there we look for a new cohort every semester. It's eight weeks. We usually start about a month into the semester to give students a mo- moment to sort of settle into their class routines, um, and we're on Tuesday evenings. So we'll find a space on campus Tuesday evenings from 7 to 8.30 um, to gather as a group and a community and just practice these skills that help us thrive. Um, we hope you'll join us. Please do find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to building out the cohort for next fall. Um, so. Yeah, keep us in mind and reach out on Facebook, and that's probably your best point of contact. But also, I'm on the Positive Psychology Center's website. Always welcome to email me. I'm an easy Google.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and for giving our listeners great advice. Um, and to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Next time, we will be talking to Fossil Khan, um, like Laura said. Um, he was actually the Penn Program for Flourishings Um, creator. So um, we'll talk to him more about the program and more ways to increase happiness in your own life. Make sure to like and subscribe our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Facebook to receive updates about the latest episodes. Have a good day and see you next time.